I'm Jenny Poladna. I'm Erica Newman. And I'm. And this is Topic Lords. <laughs> this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet where you can hear topics discussed. I'm not here, apparently. <laughs> Jim, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? <laughs> oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> I'm really on the spot here. Exactly like when Paul Shear and Jason Mansukas took over the Chris <laughs> Gethard show. Exactly like that. <laughs> exactly like that. Uh, no, I don't have anything. Like if you'd asked me like a couple of weeks ago, I would have plugged the thing I plugged last time someone asked me to plug something, which is Elden Ring with cheats on. Mm. Ah. Um, but I don't, I, I feel like I spent like 10 minutes talking about that last time. So... I don't think the listeners need to hear that again. Okay. Elden Ring with cheats on, everybody. <laughs> the, the, the new Breath of the Wild that you didn't it, know you I wanted. mean, legit. Like, it doesn't have the paraglider, but uh, <laughs> it, it really is like the, the first game that I've played that feels like it's hitting those same notes at that same level of quality. You're like um, meta plugging, repeating plugs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I plug the episode where I plugged Elden Ring. I recommend you go back and listen to that one again. <laughs> yeah, stop this podcast and go back and listen to that one. That one was a good one. Oh, man. Can we do recursive podcasting? <laughs> yeah, we. every time we say Elden Ring, I'm going to play that conversation 10% faster each time. <laughs> Just drop the whole script of B-movie in there while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the movie itself. I'm going to run the script through text-to-speech. Yeah, of course, of course. What if From Software made the B-movie as a Dark Souls? <laughs> I'd play it. Yeah. I would play it too because it sounds like a complete disaster and that interests me. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Right. So I have no idea what the structure of this podcast is now. I'm relying on you two to yeah. guide. I yeah, know, I know. Would we like to talk about a topic? No, no, I got something to plug. <laughs> Oh, you got yeah. something to plug. Okay. I didn't know if we were both Jim or if I should ask you if you wanted to plug something. Oh, or no. What. I think we can go back to our uh, original identities if you if you like. Um, so I want to um, plug uh, increasing optional mask compliance uh, by farting. <laughs> um, and if you really want to uh, get your point across, eat a lot of cauliflower the night before. Okay, explain mask compliance. Uh, just, you know, it's optional right now in a lot of places that people wear their masks in public. Oh, mask! Oh, I thought you said mask? Oh. Like the the volume of gas inside you <laughs> made you larger. Wow. And eventually we were going to have to all comply with being smaller. Oh. Yeah, no, very, very yeah. different. Um, also interesting, but very different. Wow. Jenny, okay. do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Uh, let's see. I plugged fish last time, so, uh, and I would plug birds. You could do it. I could. I could. You know way more about birds than I do. You can still plug them. (laughs) I don't own them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) uh, Birds, everybody. They're like animals, but they flap. I flap sometimes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You too are like an animal, but you flap. Are you a bird? Uh, I'm a water bird. I flap in the water. Oh. If it gyms like a bird and flaps like a bird, it's a it's a bird. It's a gym bird. Gym bird. Yeah, this is the rare um like double recurring guest episode. Um I've been looking forward to hosting with Jenny 
since the uh, launch of Topic Lords, uh, where I first knew that I would be a, a guest on this, um, I had I have wanted to be on on this podcast with Jenny for a really long time. So, uh, like, I'm delighted that this is finally happening. Yay. I like the implication there that you heard an episode of Topic Lord one day you would be on it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to put it that way, but <laughs> no, I, I figured you didn't, but I thought I, it was funny. Yeah, indeed I did not know for a while that I would be on this. Are we ready for some topics? Yeah. What are those? <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to seriously, like sincerely answer that question and I realized that I can't. Yeah, no, it's rough. It's yeah. there. Certain words are extremely hard to define, except without using themselves in the definition. Erica, your first topic is the system, and by extension, the Talenti Cup system. This is fantastic. I don't need to try to pronounce <laughs> any weird words like Talenti. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to answer that one? <laughs> No, I will go back to being Jenny. Okay, all right, okay. Because I don't know. I recognize Talenti as a brand of gelato. Yes, that's correct. I think I know where this is going. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so I would love to hear you play. So I think this is a meme that people teach to each other. Um, and my friend taught it to me uh, when I was like, I don't know, in my early 30s or something. So I've known about this for a little while. But basically the system is... Um, a way of organizing your life into boxes. And so like if you live in a small apartment or you live in multiple cities or you um, you need to keep some of your stuff in a storage unit or you're constantly moving, uh, you can basically like pack all your stuff away and then not know where any of it is. And you can pack it like kind of stupidly. Like um, one time one time I moved, yeah, and I put like just random stuff into boxes as fast as possible. Um, including like shoes. And if you ever pack like a shoe <laughs> into something with like, like clothing or paper, yeah. you'll just open up a big box of mold, like, you know, months or years later. It's really disappointing. Um, so, uh, the system is a way of coming up with categories of things that fit into, you know, 12 by 12 by 14 inch boxes, or maybe slightly larger, or slightly smaller, depending on the thing. So it can be like, um, you know, tax paperwork for multiple years, or, um, you know, physics textbooks, or uh, bug collecting uh, tubes, or um, it can be shoe insoles, or we have something called a body box that has um, sub boxes <laughs> that like, <laughs> We have things for our lungs, like inhalers, and we have things, yeah, we have things for our skin, like skincare and bandages and, um, nice. yeah, like plasticky paint that you can put on your fingers if you want to, like, have fake calluses for a while. Anything that goes on skin <laughs> goes into the skin box. There's a teeth box for anything that you get from the dentist. Um, but then beyond that, there's two, there's two parts of this, which is that you have to organize it that way. And then you have to have like an inventory document. So like a Google Sheets type document where every box gets a, a label and like ideally um, labeled on the top and more than one side. So we have um, AZ boxes like AZ 1 to 79 for moving to Arizona and TX, you know, 1 to 60 for moving to Texas. And then each of those boxes you put down what's in them in great detail in um, wow. searchable ways. 
And then you put where you put them. Are they at home? Are they in the storage unit? Did you send them to your mom? But all of the things have to be inventoried and searchable so that like when you move somewhere and you suddenly need your tweezers, you know to look in TX59 in the sub box <laughs> of like blah, blah, blah. And then so the Talenti Cup system is like kind of an extension of this, except you don't have to label it. They're just like one pint um, gelato cups that are perfectly columnar and they have um, screw caps rather than snap caps and they're uh, they're transparent. So you can sort all kinds of things into Talenti cups and then put those into boxes. So anything that's small, like spices or sewing kits or earplugs or, um, you know, paper clips or whatever, each go into their own Talenti cup and then the Talenti cups get stacked and like put into boxes and then like taken out as needed. Um, but it makes, uh, it makes moving and, uh, itinerant lifestyles like bearable and even like, um, possible in some ways. Yeah. So I want to advocate that. I want to teach it to y'all because, uh, because it's changed my life. <laughs> okay. I have, I'm looking, so I've started implementing the part where you have boxes. I have yeah. some, some 12 by 12 <laughs> cubes that I'm looking at that have things like uh, cables and office supplies and retro games and art hanging things. And I've got one that says fitness. Yeah, I'm into it. Fitness stuff in this box. Slap labels on them. And the bigger, the better. Like get index cards and write them big and, and from multiple sides so that like when you're search, when you are searching for your AZ 12, like you know exactly where it is. My North Carolina boxes, like NC12, was um, my camping gear, and I used it a lot when I was like training people on my field site in Colorado, and they would refer to it as NC12, like where is NC12, and then, <laughs> <laughs> but like they just like adopted it by practice, which I thought was like really fascinating. Whenever NC12 isn't on screen, they'd be asking themselves, "Where's NC12? Where is NC12? Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> So the cylindrical, the Talenti cup thing sounds uh, very satisfying. I can't, I can't honestly promise you that I'm going to make a, make a searchable boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, the well, if listing. You, if you just follow the, the body shape, you could expand that out to like your entire house. <laughs> like you just have a, a huge box with like a, the car with sub boxes that correspond to every room in your house. And like you put your bed in the bedroom box and then you put all you, all your stuff on the bed box. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. The Talenti Cup system is also like, um, it's so super useful because um, they're very stable. So like I store all of my beans and small pastas in them and um, different kinds of like spices and, you know, like all, all kinds of stuff in the kitchen, um, dried mushrooms, that kind of stuff. And um, people come in and they're like, oh, this is great. And they're like, you eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably have about 100 Talenti cups now. And they're like, I, I would say probably 95% of them are mint chocolate chip. Oh, the best. Did you personally eat all of your Talenti cups? Um, yes, I nice. did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another this is a, a barrier to entry that 
that you need to get started on. If you if you ever think you might someday want to use this system, yeah. you need to start eating a lot more gelato. Yeah, and specifically Talenti, which, um, you know, like here out in Midland, they've stopped carrying mint chocolate chip. And so what? I feel like I feel like I did not eat enough mint chocolate chip to keep that part of the economy afloat. And so, <laughs> yeah, they don't even have vanilla uh, Talenti. So, like, I'm not sure... You know, I, I guess we're stuck with this 100-cup system, but, um, you know, until we move again. But I'll know where everything is when we do. Yeah, this sounds very useful. This sounds yeah. like uh, – it sounds like the sort of thing where, like, you start using the database because you needed it first. But, like, after you've moved once or twice with it, you don't need the database anymore because you just remember where everything is. Yeah, I, I that's not my experience. Um, I wish okay. it were. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I feel like we have a lot more stuff than we actively use. Um, and probably, probably like a good couple of tons of it is actually books. Um, so finding a particular book is, uh, you know, it's hard unless you have your own little library system if you're going to keep them out of sight. Uh, yeah. Relatedly, Chris revealed to me that he's been using his Dunbar number to keep track of the plan. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. Uh, we might have to make him come on here to to what, explain and or justify that. What is a Dunbar number? So that's the, uh, I think it's around 150. It's the number of, it's it's usually human beings. It's usually humans that you, um, and the, 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 so the maximum number of people that you can like remember things about. Mm -hmm. And have like a social relationship with. And I guess we haven't been seeing a lot of people. <laughs> so he's like assigning his like spare slots to plants mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's wonderful yeah. he's gonna be a very successful farmer yeah. <laughs> i can't i can't start the new topic that's somebody else's job oh, right, this episode. Right. jenny your topic is decentralizing <laughs> social media is going to be real good for people not yelling at each other and kind of bad for sharing specialized information Yes. That's right. <laughs> Jenny, would you like to add anything to that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so so I don't I don't know if um if this is everybody, but it feels like uh like many people's online social presence is moving more onto like discords and and smaller like closed groups and that's really great. For stopping the phenomenon where anybody can just log on to Twitter and like search the phrase pineapple on pizza yeah. and find somebody who has the opposite opinion of pineapple <laughs> on pizza and uh, and tell them to die. In oh, yeah, 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 they should die. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm afraid to tell you how I feel about pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this person? Did they, did they search this podcast for the phrase pineapple on pizza and then show up? Isn't that how you get on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I got on this podcast. Yeah, I've been noticing people like fleeing Twitter. And um, like the sad thing is that like um, the people who I see on Facebook who, excluding you, mm, Jenny, um, you. like, yeah. Oh wait, uh, I don't know what you're gonna say. I should thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Also, <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, a lot of them are like, well, you know, Twitter's bad and I'm never leaving Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that's the wrong opinion too, though. Uh Yeah. Yeah. If if the problem with Twitter is that it's now owned by a rich asshole, (laughs) like... (laughs) I got news for y'all. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's interesting too, because like... um, like a lot of what makes these social media platforms bad is um, the fact that people repeat things and they repeat them like without commentary and they repeat them with commentary, but they kind of amplify um, certain messages and then you see them and your buddy in California sees them and your buddy in, you know, Taiwan sees them or like whatever, but like everybody is forced to have opinions about the same yes. stuff, yeah. which is kind of like homogenizing culture in some ways and, and kind yeah. of lame. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I was, I was talking to Max about this the other day. Um, when I was in grad school, uh, the chair of our department, Dan Kamen was kind of um, selected to go um, advise the world bank um, for like a year or something. And he spent a couple of weeks just observing what they do uh, to try to figure out like how to make things better and more efficient and better communications for everybody. And the first thing that he implemented was that like nobody was allowed to forward news articles to anyone else un- <laughs> unless they were like commenting on them in a in a really new way because. Yeah. Everybody there was like losing their entire morning to keeping up with the news cycle. And Uh so you would see like 50 versions of the same article forwarded um, from every single person who thought you needed to see it. Everybody's aware of the major news sources and is looking at them. So there's no reason to, to actually do that unless you want to say something about that particular article. And he said it like gave people two hours of productivity back in the morning. Oh, Holy I shit! Bet. Yeah, <laughs> um, not 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 even addressing the mental health gains. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Because they they really need to know what's going on every day. It's not like optional for them to follow the news or not. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like it was a huge difference. And I I feel like um, maybe not being on Twitter will give us all back that yeah. time. Because um, I, I do feel pressure to have a take. Like I feel pressure <laughs> to have the correct take. Yeah. yeah. But I also, you know, like I, I feel like if you don't say anything about the thing that everybody on your Twitter is mad about, they're going to assume that you tacitly approve. Yeah. It. Well, I don't think that's actually true, but I understand why you would feel that way. Oh yeah, I don't think that it is, but it it does, and it only takes one person uh, to kind of ask who's like, "Why did you say anything about this atrocity?" Wait, has that happened? Has any has one asshole said Not that to, to you? Me. Okay, I've had but an asshole say that to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. on my on my professional account, and then I was I was angry about it for months. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Deservedly. Yeah. It just it's it's overwhelming because like then people who you know start like liking that take, which Uh is just sort of mean and not what was intended and there's no kind of um there's no room for conversation and that kind of confrontation. Yeah, no, the right response to that is to to go on uh, am I the asshole and like like yeah, uh, you go to the am I the asshole uh, post about them GPT three bot 
Uh, no, no. What you do is you you wait till like you wait a couple of days so that people can, people can get their likes in. Then you block everybody who liked it and the person who said that. Oh, that's what I did. That's what I did. There you go. Good. Good. It's uh, it's it's a win for everybody. I thought you were gonna say you wait a couple days and then the person who posted who who tweeted the thing at you inevitably gets milkshake duck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That can happen. But the other thing is like, it's, it's all, um, like, it's all very public. So there's, um, there's this kind of like overwhelming feeling of like, um, public shaming or, um, kind of like emotional, like emotional, uh, frisson and anger kind of directed at you that sits with you for a long time. But like, frankly, like, um, you know, people don't seem to remember what happened eight years ago in our government and, you know, backtrack on that stuff. And that was entirely public. So, like, why are they going to remember some tweet that, like, yeah. you know, wasn't, like, phrased in the in the best possible way for this one other person? Like, why would they remember that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Not to not to get like super deep into therapy time <laughs> on topic lords, but um, get super deep into therapy time on, on okay. topic lords. <laughs> okay, so I was ostracized for two years in junior high school. Yeah, and now I'm like super sensitive to more than one person socially correcting me at a time. Yeah, oh, that happens wow. on the internet just constantly. Yeah. yeah. How do you um? How do you like uh? want to be on the internet at all Um, that's it's also i like where i learned to socialize yeah yeah so it's a and it it feels like it didn't used to be that much of a problem just go and like oh online man i'm gonna go on tori amos aol chat Uh (laughs) talk to my social group and like two other randos who popped in yeah, mm-hmm. and like we all mostly got along about whether Choir Girl was better than Boys for Pele. Um, uh huh. Or we well, agreed to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but not correct one another, importantly. Uh-huh. Be like, hey, I understand your point of view, you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're sensitive to being corrected on the internet, and people want to do that all the time. All yeah, the people, time. Yeah, and people don't have any. Um, sense of self-censorship especially if they've never been in that situation yeah. and they don't have any investment in your feelings necessarily. right like, right beyond just like oh this is how i want to be in the world in general but there's no like relationship stakes yeah there's a whole um kind of train of thought in buddhism about uh things that make you angry mm-hmm. and there are like 89 things that make you angry <laughs> their names it's a buzzfeed list (laughs) i know and like like um i i listen to i read a lot of pema trajan um who's like a she's like a buddhist nun who's i think she's from brooklyn originally but she's like very pragmatic and she's like a real wise person but she has um she has a couple of um audiobooks in particular on, on this topic i think one of them the anger one is called like don't bite the hook it goes through all of these like uh particular ways that things can make you mad and um why they don't affect other people also and the examples are given from like monks from like 400 bc in tibet or something and they're they're so relatable like they're it (laughs) might as well be like 
happening right now in front of you. Like it's exactly the same, like being denied something or being given something that's broken or (laughs) 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 it's almost like I don't even want to spoil it. Just like go listen to Mm -hmm. it. It's so fantastic. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, but I I feel like there should be like a 90th thing, which is like just being on social media. Yeah, yeah, to be angry. (laughs) Yeah, we we finally, after 2,000 years, we've invented a new way to be angry. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray, we did it. Congratulations, humanity. Jim, do you want a new topic? Oh, sure. Um, your topic is, we just taught Winston about peeing in the woods when we were going on a hike, and now he wants to pee in the woods everywhere. <laughs> uh, I now, now that I hear this out loud, I'm desperately racking my brain to, to, to remember whether or not this was already a topic at some point. <laughs> I was wondering when it was going to start, like, um, like people were going to forget and like cover the same topics again. Oh, I've I've done the same topic twice, two episodes in a row at one point. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, I want to hear about your son peeing in the woods everywhere. You sure. need a you need yes. a Talenti cup system for your topics. Right, right. Oh, I thought I you were going to say for the pee. For your son's pee. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's <laughs> good too. Yeah. No, I mean I keep them in the episodes. Is the problem. <laughs> Where it's hard to search. The only thing you can search for when you search the Topic Lords episodes is the phrase pineapple on pizza. Oh, <laughs> those people should die. <laughs> Wait, who are you again? <laughs> How did I get uh, here? <laughs> so we took Winston hiking and he had to pee and he'd never peed like anywhere but a diaper or a potty or like, I guess he peed on the floor when he was learning how to use the potty. Uh, but we, we had him pretty well trained, like at that point, like you pee in the toilet and that's where pee goes. And if it pees anywhere else, like your pants, that's a mistake. And he understands that's a mistake and he tries not to do it. But in this, this, we were in the wilderness and did not have a, a, a toilet handy. So we taught him about like a peeing standing up, which he hadn't learned how to Ooh, do yet. That's exciting. Exciting. Yeah. And B peeing in. The bushes, peeing in the woods is what we called it. Like a week later, we were at a playground and I was like, okay, Winston, we have to go, go, go pee in the, well, I'll take you to go pee in the bathroom. I would, I didn't, I wasn't going to go send him there. It was like a, like a first errand. <laughs> uh, uh, and he said, no, I want to pee in the woods. Uh-huh. Uh, and he just pulled his pants down. <gasps> it was just like, okay. I had to explain like, okay, in the, in the woods means a specific thing. It means, <laughs> You you can't pee in the woods if you're not in the woods. You have to pee. You have to be in the woods to pee in the woods. And then, like, also the reason that's okay is that there's nobody around to see you. And so he's Uh-oh. still like he's gonna he's gonna pee in the laundry closet now because nobody's around <laughs> to see him. <laughs> and call it pee in the woods. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Well No, who could tell? Oh, no. <laughs> Who could know the difference? <laughs> I learned how to pee in the woods in middle school, and um, I had the same response, which is that I wanted to pee everywhere. And I did pee in people's front yards, like you know, walking home wow. from school. Wait, in stuff. middle school? Yep, yep, I did. Yeah, that's uh, that's in- that's intense. That's yeah. um, that's a little old to be learning that lesson. What to pee in the woods? The lesson that the reason it's okay to pee in the woods is that there's no one around to see you. <laughs> judgy, judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there weren't there weren't people in these yards while Erica was peeing. I mean, that's fair. I'm sorry. I inter 
I interrupted your story, though. <laughs> and he still doesn't quite, you know, he, he doesn't have the social aspe- aspect of it quite down there. Like, because he will, where I told him he needed to be in the bushes mm-hmm. if he was going to do that. Uh, and he would just find, like, any plant in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> just... Oh man! So now you have to teach him what's a bush, right? Wow. Yeah, no, I, I like have to explain the concept of like, okay, it's not just the bushes; it's bushes that you can like. You're facing it, and it's blocking line of sight from like <laughs> 180 degrees. Uh-huh. I get why that's too complicated for your son. And he doesn't know about degrees. Yeah. He only does, knows radians. Does he know <laughs> line of sight yet? <laughs> Can uh, he, he, uh, he duck behind a chest high wall? <laughs> he, he does know about he he's played peekaboo, so oh, okay. he does have some Uh-oh. some idea of line of sight. Gonna be a nasty surprise when he uh, plays peekaboo. Yes, oh! unusual way. New game. I'm gonna teach him that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about this. Um, I have a friend whose uh, five year old son uh, likes to just pee in the front yard and just kind of having a problem with that. And then I um, I also know a guy who was going through a divorce and his eight-year-old son did the not peeing thing in the front yard. Um, but I think that was... The not peeing thing? Yeah. Are you talking about poop? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm not peeing right now, but I'm also not pooping. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just letting you know. TMI, <laughs> Jenny. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> don't mean to don't mean to gang up on you here, but uh... yeah, yeah. Two people are socially correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know when you are pooping, though. We want to know. Okay. Um, okay. So... You'll be the first. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that was like kind of driven by a different um, set of psychology than uh, the two to five year old peeing on random objects kind of kind of attitude. Like everything sucks, and I have no control over anything, but I can poop in the front yard. I can poop in the front yard yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean there are dogs that can make a bigger grosser poop than the average (laughs) child so and it's okay for them to poop in the yard yeah riddle me that (laughs) did you ever hear about george clooney when he was living with richard kind while they were filming er george clooney would take um increasingly larger shits (gasps) kind's cat box what (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like he would take a shit in the cat box. Okay. Cut it well, down first to of all, like, size. okay. I'm sorry. I have to camp out on it. Like <laughs> George Clooney has like poop moderation abilities to the point where he can choose how big a shit to take. Yeah. No, he was taking the same size shit and then altering it. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah. Like just picking off, like you, you, ch- you chisel it like a yeah, sculpture. Yeah, there was some chiseling. This person is a sex symbol. Are you telling me this is what he does in his spare time? <laughs> this might be an apocryphal story. I don't remember where I heard it. Huh? I mean, I would believe that about John Malkovich, but George Clooney has oh, not sure. impressed me as like a poop modifying kind of guy. Well, that's how he gets away with it. <laughs> That's true. I could see him making eye contact with Richard Kind. He's like, you know, nobody's going to believe you. <laughs> and then shitting in the litter box. And then everybody believed him. <laughs> Wait, so was this a coworker? Yeah, on ER. That sounds like a nightmare. Like even without the shitting part. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> being roommates with like some like someone you're working with on set every day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've covered this topic about like living yeah. with your field assistants. Yeah. We definitely have. Yeah. yeah, it's about how you 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 really want the pizza, but you can't go to town for pizza. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, yeah. The the guy from the ghost story is camped out on top of your car, and it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, obviously, like, George Clooney is setting the example here. You should have, like, taken, taken larger and larger shits in <laughs> what would be the, the, like, not their tent. Oh, my God. But- <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think I, like, accidentally sexually harassed an undergraduate last night, and oh, I realized no. how how, like, possible this is to do without thinking about. So, so we, yeah. um, I have, like, a small project where we're like rearing like tiny tiny little wasps out of um oak galls so these structures that grow on plants but we're looking at oaks in particular and um we were we were like looking at everything through microscopes and um taking the specimens and putting them in alcohol and putting them in tubes and we're shipping them to the smithsonian it's like a real thing like we're doing real science here and i'm like oh let's let's listen to music and i put on tom jones she's a lady and (laughs) like i think just that on its own is sexual harassment like tom jones music is sexual harassment like there's (laughs) i mean if you listen to the lyrics of that song it's a lot of innuendo but it's like barely barely covered like tom jones famous for his enormous piece is singing this song about like but, and by peace you mean a thing that's not pee and not poop. That's right. <laughs> not, not detachable except in that one song by uh King Missile. Um <laughs> but uh you know like I I forget how what the setup is but like you know she's she's a lady she can take what a, what I dish out and that's oh. not easy. Yeah, like oh, all of the oh, lines oh. yeah. All of the lines in the song are like that. And, like, if you just look at the album cover of Tom Jones, like, in his leisure suit, it's like, (laughs) you know, I'm far removed from the 70s and it looks bizarre to me. But this person, like, you know, is 20 or more years out from, like, existing in the 70s. Maybe, like, I don't know. Is it more than that? No, like, about 20 years out from... Oh, it's more than that, right? 30 years out? In the 70s? How old are these undergraduates? Yeah, it's 2022. She must have been born in like 2002 or 2003. Yeah, the 30 years. Yeah, like it, it's like looking at an alien, but like you can't play this stuff for undergraduates. It's scary and bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite innuendo is um, rock and roll. <laughs> When when Bill Haley, who was who was known for taking rock and roll music and making like cleaning it up and making it worse and palatable to white people. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He did uh, shake, rattle, and roll. Oh which, yeah, which I guess is just about having an orgasm. Oh okay, sure. Yeah. But he um, so he he cleaned up a bunch of lyrics, but he left in the one about uh, I'm like a one-eyed cat peeping in a seafood store. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, right. Wow. B- yeah. Because he didn't get it, like I think he must not have gotten it. Yeah, I think he didn't get it. Yeah, I, I have to say, I don't think I would have gotten it either if I if there wasn't for the context of this conversation. So I've heard that song like a billion times, and I've never noticed that lyric. Maybe it's not sexual harassment as long as you don't point out that it's sexual <laughs> harassment. 
it helps if you don't point out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her opinion was that it was awful and she wanted it <laughs> gone. So we turned uh-huh. it off. <laughs> okay. Sure. Put on WAP instead. Yeah. I've never heard it called WAP. WAP? 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 Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I've only ever seen the words of WAP. <laughs> If it whaps like a bird and quacks like a bird. It's, it's Jim Bird. It's Jim Bird. Jim Bird. Okay, people, it's time for a poem. Yeah, let's do a poem. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, what's that? <laughs> well, we have a segment in the middle of the show uh, that's labeled Poem, where we read a poem, and then we talk about it as if it were a topic. Oh, so the poem is itself a topic. Wait, so what's a topic? Oh no. oh, no. It's all coming apart. <laughs> I, I didn't realize the the, the special, like, uh, uh-huh. Jenny Erica co- Listen, co-hosting uh-huh. one was the uh-huh. one where it was going to... I'm just here to talk about pineapple on pizza. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Die. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, the poem is I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth. Jim, would you like to read it? I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze, continuous as, as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in a never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance, the waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. That's a word that I have not read or or heard. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. All right. All right. So I'm going to look up jocund. I think it's like jocular. Yeah, jocular, genial. Sprightly and lighthearted in disposition. Right. What year was this published? 1807. Yeah. All right. Who wants to give the hottest take? <laughs> I got I got a take. All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> so I, um, I've, I've heard this poem before. I never really paid attention. But yeah, I, th- I, I, I feel like this is the poet trying approximating uh, like moving aesthetic experience to another person, which is kind mm-hmm. of yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and they do a better job than if they just said, like, uh, okay, I will tell a story about um, right now about commute my Japanese class with a guy who lived <laughs> down the street who built cars and was a very like uh, like a ore pronoun kind of guy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were we were driving driving to class in the spring one time there's like a like a rose garden some other flowers on the campus and we're driving he, i'm driving and he looks out the window and says fuck these flowers are fucking pretty as shit <laughs> <laughs> that's very expressive yeah, though yeah and i think wordsworth maybe does about that good or slightly better uh-huh. how much of a factor do you think it was that when they decided to publish this poem was it? Do you think that the, the his last name is Wordsworth? Yeah, I'd say more than zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, rhyming probably hadn't gone out of style at that point. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. 
Sure has now. Alliteration. (laughs) I basically only have like one thought about this poem, which is sad for me. Um, And like kind of rereading it, it's it's very pretty. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it is like it's extremely pretty. Um, But like when when I heard this poem for the first time, it was presented to me along with. Oh shit, my brain has stopped functioning. Like, I'm, I'm thinking King of the Hill, but that's not it at all. Uh, hmm. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different uploads. 404, thing not found. <laughs> oh man, I want to watch that crossover now, though. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our, uh, conception of the environment is that it's like outside and our homes and our interior life are kind of like not part of the environment they're they're kind of separate and they represent thought and like being pensive and moody and interiority but uh like they don't represent um things in nature so like when when we do things like um mining or pollution or things that kind of like affect our health or the quality of our water or things we think of them as like outside environmental problems we have this conception of ourselves being separate from nature because it carries over from this like english tradition of you know them being able to kind of like make a space where there is no weather and there is no like stimulus from the outside world which is not possible in a lot of parts of the world um but you know like you you see that in lord of the rings also with like the the end of the book being about um kind of the destruction of the shire through logging and mining you know and the destruction of kind of like happiness and nature and stuff like that but kind of it being separate from the uh the people who are like making the choices about that but like trying to look at this with like new eyes it is it's like it's quite pretty it's not as evil as i originally thought it was just because it's pretty well no i mean i don't think he like um i don't think he invented this division you know no yeah Yeah. it doesn't seem like he's thinking about it no he had a he had a good experience and he's good at words he's just complicit seems like he's trying to write the least controversial poem ever oh that's a good point Uh, yeah it's like the corporate rock of poetry (laughs) like who's gonna fucking argue with you that you saw these daffodils and they were pretty as shit they're pretty as shit fuck (laughs) fuck (laughs) this podcast is (laughs) r-rated rated e for explicit mature language I loaned that guy a book of dirty Japanese that I used to own, and I never spoke to him again. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. because that was sexual harassment? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it... I mean, I think he probably thought it was like an overture. I mean, right? no, I had it, and he asked if he could borrow it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sure. It wasn't like, hey, hey, Dan, I think you should read all of the sex words. <laughs> so you can say them to me in Japanese. <laughs> Fuck, these are some good words. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, do you have feelings about this poem? I think it's very pretty. It is very pretty. It's a pretty poem. Good job, words guy. Good job, words guy. Nice daffodils. The the angle that it's uh, 
that it's reinforcing the division of like in the house and out of the house would not have occurred to me if you hadn't brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of like the context that I learned it in kind of um, ruined it for me because it was a bunch of like energy engineers who were trying to um, make houses and homes more energy efficient and like thinking about homes and interior spaces as part of our actual physical environment. Right. Yeah. But, but it's like, uh, you know, I'm glad that I learned this poem then, but you know, now it's always like associated with that experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can't, you can't unring the bell. Can't unring the bell. Is that a poem? You can't unfry the nugget. <laughs> you, you, you can't you can't unpee the bush. <laughs> you just need to get, go get some paper towels. Just wipe the bush down. <laughs> All right, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. I think okay. we'd better. Jenny, your topic is Mark Rosewater designed devil fruits. Yes. Yes, he did. (laughs) Yep. So I'm going to need to uh, unpack this one just a little bit. Um, So Mark Rosewater, game designer, one of the things that he is on record as saying is that games, like it is better for a game to have a bad, like even if you can perfectly balance all of your choices such that one, um, such that any one of them is like situational or just certainly as good as any of the others, that's according to Mark Rosewater, not the best game design. There should just be like a shitty choice where if you pick it, you're dumb and you're making a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, how can you find out who the noobs are? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so where the where this comes into Devil Fruit. So Devil Fruits are a thing from the manga anime One Piece where if you want magic powers in that universe, you got to find one of these fruits. They're completely unique. They give you um, just a random, mm-hmm. not a random, it's like whatever fruit you eat is the power you get but uh you don't necessarily know although i think there is there are fruits that people do know what they do i don't know how they know what they do it seems like you would have to eat one to find out yeah and if they're unique it would be different every time yeah Yeah. so i don't there's a there's a thing to question maybe maybe there's patterns maybe there's just like oh this one has like a fleur-de-lis pattern on it and that yeah. That means if you eat it, you'd swap genders. Yeah, that sounds correct. Um, sounds yeah. useful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so I know a lot of people who would love that fruit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you could get good money for that. Unfortunately, fruit. there's just one. Oh, oh, no. Oh, we just started a war. We just started a gods must be crazy style war. Elon Musk is going to buy that fruit just because Man. he... T- Oh, and then he's he just wants to have it. He wants to blast it into space. Eat it and tweet about his vagina. <laughs> uh, we don't need this. We don't need this in society. <laughs> but what what does Mark Rosewater have to do with the One Piece? So there are some devil fruits that are just worse than others. And there's uh-huh. one in particular that I think about more often than you would think a person would think about this devil fruit. Mm-hmm. It's from. It's not a filler arc, but it feels like a filler arc where the crew goes and makes friends. Girl, her power is she can talk to dragons, which mm-hmm. which would be great. Um, if dragons existed, <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, if there was, if there were more dragons, she does in fact know a dragon. 
So she oh. lucked out she there. She can talk to it, yeah. Yeah, but also anybody who eats a uh, a zoan type devil fruit which changes you into an animal which happens to this is my favorite thing in the entire series you see a, like a dog gun and you think oh this is a dog that ate a gun fruit but no it's a gun that ate a dog fruit <laughs> it's an enterprising yep. gun yeah. <laughs> i can't explain the mechanics but that's what happened uh, yeah so if you if you eat one of these zoan fruits you get not only do you turn into whatever animal um, as the fruit, you, but you get a special perk where you can just talk to all animals now. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But is that like is that worse than not being able to talk to animals? Can you still talk to humans? Oh yeah, you can still talk to humans. That seems better. That seems like an upgrade. Yeah, it's just functional. Like if you got if this dropped in Diablo and you looked at the devil fruit you were carrying, and you looked at this one, you go, oh, this is just a straight upgrade. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna okay. throw the one I've got on the ground. And there's, yeah. there's also the main character um, who has like a completely different devil fruit that turns him into rubber, not a Zoan type at all. He can also <laughs> like kind of talk to the dragon a little bit because he just understands what the dragon is saying in its heart. Uh-huh. Wait, so can you eat more than one devil you fruit? Not why? Uh, Did you just choke? Not fit He's in your mouth. I'm full now. The internet might know, and I probably should have researched this. Before I came on here, what happens if I type in what happens if you eat more than one devil fruit? You get like shafted off to some kind of like made up currency. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Any attempt to gain a second devil fruit power will cause the consumer's body to be torn apart to such a degree that little trace is left of it, re- resulting in their death. Yeah. That's definitely a bad choice. Thanks, Mark Rosewater. <laughs> yeah. That hasn't come up in in the show as far as I've watched it, but you would think that people would be like, because that would be a super convenient way to kill devil fruit users. So Mark Rosewater basically invented this devil fruit, like, so if you eat it, you're -hmm. you're like one bite away from death at all times. Yeah. 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 Good job. (laughs) You also can't go swimming. Why? Uh, Because you sink. Oh, sink like a stone, and you can't swim. What? Yeah. Oh. Even touching, even touching seawater, uh, takes away your devil fruit powers. And then if you eat a second one, you die. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, this is like contracting dengue. (laughs) It is. If you get a second dengue, you just die. Yeah. So like there, there's like six or seven kinds of dengue, like six or seven strains of dengue in the world, and if you get dengue the first time, and it and it's not severe and it doesn't kill you it'll it'll be like the worst sickness you've ever gotten but if you like survive it then you're basically uh really susceptible to death from any other strain of dengue dengue so like i know tropical biologists who like um basically have to work in one part of the world because if they contract dengue in another part of the world they're screwed right oh the the one where they got it yeah so they are the immune system is working to the extent that it, it'll protect them from that one strain. It will protect you from that strain, like, but you'll get sick again and it might be severe, but it won't it won't necessarily kill you. Whereas if you contract the other right. strain, it will. You know, it's it's weird because like um my husband and I work in French Polynesia, you know, and, and if they start getting dengue and occasionally they have like one case, it usually comes over from Asia. You know, like dengue is sort of creeping up into Arizona and Texas from Mexico. Oh, no. 
Yeah. Wow. So like we might just be like, well, I mean, I feel like we're pretty lucky. Like the U.S. has got lots of roads and it's got like lots of beautiful national parks. And like if we're stuck here with our strain of dengue, like we got a lot going for us, like lots of sources of clean water. You know, Australia, like I don't think they have any like surface water through like all of the center of the continent, right? Like the North America is like where you want to be if you if you're gonna contract dengue. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Rosewater, thanks for inventing dengue. What an asshole! I know, right? seriously. Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's just somebody who searched for pineapple on. Pizza. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> Erica, do you want to talk about another topic? <laughs> yes, I think so. Okay, your topic is decarbonizing the language. Yeah, you just got to give it a good scrub. I think that's true. Um, I yep. Do you want to do you want to try and do it like in real time? <laughs> yeah, I don't have my Brillo pad with me. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we were talking about this earlier, and you said you had like seven examples. That's true. I do. <laughs> well, I do. Just, give, just give us some context for this. Okay, so um, <laughs> oh, yeah. like a lot of what we need to do to to kind of um, engage and combat and maybe like deal with climate change is to um, what they say what they call decarbonize the economy. So basically, like um, everything that runs on fossil fuels and everything that gets shipped around with fossil fuels and all of that stuff has to um, be tackled almost at the same time. Um, if we're going to like remove fuel sources, like we have to kind of decarbonize everything um, in order to get like a cleaner economy, a cleaner climate. But as an individual, like you don't have like a lot of power over that. Um, those choices, which are really happening at the governmental and global levels. Um, but I, I figure like we can be more excited about these things and, and try and like transition ourselves into, um, starting by like decarbonizing our language. Okay. So, um, so my list, um, uh, includes things like, um, do you know the phrase coals to Newcastle? I don't think so. So coals to Newcastle is like um like shipping coal to Newcastle would be a silly idea because New Newcastle is where coal comes from. So so coals to Newcastle is like you may have too much of this already, but here's another ex you know, here's another one of these or something. Um so the the decarbonized way uh that I think we should substitute this phrase instead of that one is um, pants to Walmart. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, so so next time you hear Coles to Newcastle, just correct people and say pants to Walmart. Um, okay, so burning the candle at both ends, uh -huh. right? You know, this is a phrase that means like you're working late into the night, um, but you're also like getting up in the morning, uh, so the, so the ends are usually like, it actually doesn't refer to both ends of the candle, but that's how you hear it, right? Both ends of the day. Um, but it, it's really like cutting into both sides of, uh, of your resources. I have decided that best phrase to replace that one is eating the burrito from both ends. <laughs> yeah. I think that's good, right? It's very evocative. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those poems that puts the aesthetic in the listener's head. <laughs> right yes <laughs> so instead of saying high octane we can say um pn junction function which is like our 
our <laughs> way of like invoking solar energy instead of um you know long carbon chains right um adding fuel to the fire um enriching the uranium why not <laughs> yeah okay. 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 i don't know yeah. i don't know if that's really like decarbonizing the economy but it is like um or the language but it is really like looking at alternate fuel sources um burning the midnight oil i've come up with um two two substitutions for this one is um switching to batteries which just makes sense right yeah the other is harvesting the bioluminescent fungus <laughs> i like that yeah. one a lot <laughs> i think that the band midnight oil should change their name to bioluminescent fungus. oh maybe we should propose that yeah, yeah. um and then i have um two more which is um running on fumes um do you want to do you want to guess what i had for running on fumes uh no i got nothing jim running on empty oh okay yeah that's a good one um (laughs) (laughs) you really put me on the spot there yeah if you got a good one now's the time to pull it out and save the listeners All I got was farts. I'm like, I bet it's going to have farts in okay, it. Yeah. yeah, see, I mean, I, I feel like workshopping some of these are it's worth it. You know, there should be a fart one in there. <laughs> That's methane, you know, rather than... Uh, methane is still like a carbon-based still thing. Still climate change. Still climate change, related. yeah. Um, I chose entering year three of the pandemic for running on fumes. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh-huh. And then oh, um, no. uh, out of gas, I also have two. One is um, turbines on a windless morn. Or for out of gas, you could just say, it's nighttime, bitch. <laughs> I feel like there's going to need to be some level of introducing these to other people as uh, set phrases. <laughs> it's like the first time you, you walk up to somebody and you're tired and you say, it's nighttime, bitch. <laughs> yeah, maybe that one isn't like quite as self-explanatory. Like It, it kind of assumes that we're all in like a solar uh, solar panel mm-hmm. world already. Um, and, and we might not be. We might be in a wind world or something, nuclear world. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my attempt at um, fixing climate change. Yeah, I think okay. uh, I think the listeners have really come away with a powerful set of tools here <laughs> to to make a real difference. All right, all right, I've got one. So for the uh, for the, for the phrase "tire fire," meaning like a uh-huh. uh, yeah a, a, a bad situation that's also messy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You could uh you could talk about maybe that you're burning solar panels instead. Yeah, it's just it's a bunch burning. of solar panels on fire. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's still burning something. Oh uh, yeah, but it's not it's not petroleum. Okay. Okay. It could be shattered. Oh yeah, yeah. That's bad luck too. Yeah. <laughs> Seven years. Seven years of bad luck from a shattered solar panel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've got three budding comedians in here. Like we should be able to solve this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's beyond us. Uh, Maybe you this think is what one of us would have made a flower by now. <laughs> Maybe this is why climate change is happening is because we don't have the the um, brain power to come up with the right decarbonization of the language. <laughs> oh no! Does that mean we're personally responsible for climate change? Probably. <laughs> Oh, no. Just get angry about it on Twitter. That's, that's what British Petroleum <laughs> wants you to think. 
Yes, that's right. Jim, do we have time for your final topic? Sorry. Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say this okay. is, uh, we've reached the end of this episode of Topic Lords. All right, Jim, if this is something you want, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, so I do a podcast called Topic Lords. You can listen to it at okay. topiclords.com. Oh, that's cool. That sounds delightful. And you can find me at uh, at Mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. Oh. You're making the Mastodon moves. Oh, I mean, I've been I've been in Mastodon for like five years. People are finally showing up. It's nice. It's uh, that's great. Yeah, they're they're interacting and they're they really seem to be the worst thing that happened to Twitter was the best thing that could happen to Mastodon. Awesome. Maybe I'll see you over there. Yeah. Um, Jenny, if this is something that you want, or I can't remember the other thing, where can people find you yeah. on the internet? I also forgot the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's this the whole is, phrase. You did this it. Is a, this is a oh. harder job than it appears. I know. Jim makes it look so easy. I know. No, that's, that happens in editing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny, if this is something that you want or not the other thing, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can go poop on my lawn. At, um, I, am, I am still at Horse Wizard on Twitter. Me, if this is something that I want or not the other thing, where can people find me on the internet? Well, uh, I'm Yarek. On Discord, uh, on the in the Topic Lords Discord. Discord, yeah, and I'm there like for way too much time every day, and I'm having a great time. Give Jim a dollar, or become a lord yourself, and join us. It's fun. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I actually do. I do recommend the Topic Lords Discord as a it's place. Fun. Yeah, like it, I wouldn't, wouldn't normally like. So I, I was talking on Twitter about how like. I was talking about how good the Topic Lords Discord is, but actually you should probably find your own community. Uh, <laughs> but if you're already listening to this show, this totally could be yeah. your community. Like that Dunbar's number, it's important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> show up with a plant. That's right. <laughs> Make sure the plant also pledges to the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Oh, no. <laughs> no plus ones here. <laughs> oh, no. We've got like 200 plants in this house. Yeah. Oh, my God. All that's right. a high Dunbar number. Yeah. <laughs> right? That is high. The Dunbar number for plants is higher than the Dunbar num oh, number I, I for Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't read the addendum. Yeah, it's because they don't get married to each other, so you don't have to pay attention right, to that. Next time on Topic Lords, <laughs> Jenny and Chris's plants get married. Who gets voted off the island? <laughs> Wait, is that what happens at plant weddings? Somebody gets voted off the island? I, I mean, I assume so. Isn't that what happens at all weddings? Uh, Someone gets voted out of the marriage. <laughs> There's only two of you. Yeah. Well, only one person oh, no. gets to stay. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the opposite of the reason I was getting married. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. 
and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topic lords. Patreons get episode a week early and you get access to the topic lords discord where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode. <laughs>